Good afternoon. This is Pamela, and you are listening to Watchmen on the Pod. Well, I know it's been a few days. It's been actually more than a few days. It's been several days since I have read from the book Billy Graham and His Friends. Um, I need to take a little break. I'll be perfectly honest with you guys because this is a very hard book because there's many people, um, many things that is exposed as falseness and it takes a minute. It really takes a minute. So, I mean, I stepped away just for, just for a few days. I had to, um, I do apologize if it inconvenienced anyone else. I certainly do not want to be a stumbling block to anyone. So anyway, today we are going to continue in the book of Billy Graham and his friends written by Dr. Kathy Burns. We are picking up at chapter three. There's going to be a lot of words I admit that I cannot pronounce, so I will probably absolutely slaughter them, but... I've never said I was a theologian, a scholar, or even a high school graduate, because I am not. <laughs> but God will use the simple in order to confound the wise. Praise God. All right, here we go. The Circuit Riders was an independent group of method. Oh, I'm sorry, the, the title of the chapter is Union Theolog- Theological Seminary. <clears throat> the Circuit Riders was an independent group of Methodist clergy and laymen. They were concerned about the communist influence in the church. Circuit writers compiled and published names of over 7,000 ministers and theological school professors who have supported communist fronts and causes. Not only is this bad enough, but where do you suppose these traitors are? Stormer, in None Dare Call It Treason, shares our worst nightmare. Quote, in typical Fabian and communist fashion, they had positions of influence and control far out of proportion to their numbers. And quote, make up hierarchy. Manning Johnson, a former communist official, explained one of the tactics that the communists used, which was to infiltrate the church. He said, once the tactic of infiltrating the religious organizations was set by the Kremlin, the actual mechanics of implementing the new line was a question of following the general experiences of the living church movement in Russia, where the communists discovered that the destruction of religion could proceed much faster through infiltration of the church by communist agents operating within the church itself. In the earliest stages, it was determined that with only small forces available, it would be necessary to concentrate communist agents in the seminaries and divinity schools. The practical conclusion drawn by the Red Leaders was that these institutions would make it possible for a small communist minority to influence the ideology of future future clergymen in the paths most conducive to communist purposes. The plan was to make the seminaries the neck of a funnel through which thousands of potential clergymen would issue forth 
bearing with them, varying degrees, an ideology and slant which would aid in neutralizing the anti-communist character of the church, and also to use the clergy to spearhead important communist projects. This policy was successful beyond even communist expectations, unquote. One such school was Union Theological Seminary, to which we will return in a moment. One of the early liberals promoted by Billy Graham was Dr. Henry Pitney Van Dusen. Van Dusen served on the committee for Graham's New York Crusade in 1957. He had been professor of systematic theology as well as president of the extremely liberal Union Theological, Theological Seminary. One author reveals, quote, Graham affectionately promoted Van Dusen as one of Billy Sunday's converts. In fact, Dr. Van Dusen is considered by Graham as a great religious leader, unquote. Van Dusen, however, was barely able to receive ordination in the Presbyterian Church when the Judicial Commission of that denomination challenged his denial of the virgin birth of Christ. Only by asserting the rights of the liberal New York Presbytery was he finally ordained. His lawyer was none other than John Foster Dulles. Van Dusen was a modernist who, in his book, Liberal Theology, clearly denies the deity of Christ and defends modernism. Van Dusen and his wife later entered into a successful suicide pact. It's really sad. Van Dusen, quote, was a prominent clerical advocate of the social gospel and a liberal Protestant activist whom Henry Luce greatly respected, unquote. We've already covered Luce and his connection to Billy Graham in Chapter 1. I might add that Luce's father, Harry, went to Union Theological Seminary, UTS. To comprehend this situation better, we need to take a look at UTS where Van Dusen taught and which he later headed. We are told that the seminary, quote, is the leading and most influential liberal seminary in the United States. Unquote. U.S. News mentioned that UTS was one of the most liberal and left-wing schools in America. John D. Rockefeller, Jr. helped choose the site for this building. In 1922, he launched an endowment drive and gave a gift of $1,083,333, which was about 25% of the goal. In fact, over the years, Rockefeller Jr. had donated more than $50 million to Riverside Church, Union Theolog Theological Seminary, and International House alone. UTS has had a reciprocal educational relationship with Columbia University. This is quite interesting, knowing that the Rockefellers have funded both of these organizations. Columbia University and Columbia Teachers College, also funded by the Rockefellers and part of the Columbia University, have been the main sources of influence for our educational system. John D. Rockefeller donated $100,000 to Teachers College to establish an international institution there. 
institute, I'm sorry, not institution, <laughs> institute there. Today, 20% of all American school superintendents and 40% of all teacher college heads have advanced degrees from Columbia, where John Dewey spent many years as the department head. In 1953, about one-third of the presidents and deans at accredited teacher training schools had been educated at teacher's college. Quote, to better understand how the process began and who was involved, it might be helpful to look at several of the alumni, university and teacher college, after John Dewey arrived in 1904. George Betts became a professor of education at Northwestern University. Lotus Kaufman became dean of the College of Education at the University of Minnesota and later its president. Elwood Huberly became dean of the School of Education at Stanford University. Edward Elliott became president of Purdue University. Walter Jessup became president of the University of Iowa and president of Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching. William H. Kilpatrick became professor at Teachers College. Bruce Payne became president of the famous educational George Peabody College in Nashville. David Sneedon became commissioner education for Massachusetts, and George Strayer became professor at, college, at Teachers College and president of the NEA in 1918 to 1919. These individuals, along with 10 others, became known as the Educational Trust, holding annual meetings known as Cleveland Conference became the first meeting was in Cleveland in 1915. Among the other individuals were James Engel, a colleague of Dewey, and later a trustee of the Rockefeller Foundation. Leonard Aries, director of Russell Sage Foundation. Abraham Flexner, director of the Rockefeller Institute. Paul Haynes, was the help of the Rockefellers General Education Board, established Harvard University's Graduate School of Education. Frank Spaulding, who received his PhD at Leipzig and became a member of Rockefeller's General Education Board. Paul Monroe, who founded the World Federation of Education Associations, and Dewey colleague Edward Thorndike. Leader of the Educational Trust was Dewey colleague Charles Judd, who had received his Ph.D. from Willem Wundt in Leipzig in 1896. Atheist Club John Dewey is called the father of American education, or father of progressive education. He was a socialist as well as the former head of the National Education, NEA. According to the Encyclopedia of the American Left, we find, <clears throat> quote, 
there are strong similarities between Dewey's philosophy and that of Karl Marx. These include a common heritage in Hegel, a strong historical sense, a reputation, a re, no, a repudiation of individualism as anathema, anathema to democracy, a rejection of all dualistic categories and a belief in evolution and naturalism, self-realization through interaction with nature. Such parallels have led many writers to seek a rapprochement between the two thinkers. Philosopher Sidney Hook has gone so far as to argue that Deweyism is the genuine fulfillment of Marxism. Marxism. Quote, Intriguingly, Dewey wrote an article where he mentioned that the Bolsheviks were engaged in a most interesting sociological experiment and using progressive educational influences and practices to counteract and transform the influence of home and church, unquote. Not only was Dewey one of the 34 signers of the Humanist Manifesto in 1933, but he also helped to author this document. Additionally, he was the president of the Fabian Socialist League for Industrial Democracy, which was formerly called the Intercollegiate Socialist Society, ISS. In fact, he was one of the founders of the ISS. It was under his system called Progressive Education that virtually every school in the country has been influenced. In 1897, Dewey wrote My Adagogic Creed, and in 1899, the school and society in which he spelled out how the schools should be the instrument to construct an American socialist society. In these schools, psychology would be used and the academic basic would be de-emphasized, unquote. In the July 1908 Hibbert Journal, he wrote, our schools are performing infinitely significant religious work. They are promoting the social unity out of which in the end genuine in which the end genuine religious unity must grow. <clears throat> Unquote. Since Rockefellers fund these organizations, they also maintain some control over the decisions and teachings that emanate from them. In the 1946 annual report of the Rockefeller Foundation, we find this, quote, the challenge of the future is to make this world one world, a world truly free to engage in common and constructive intellectual efforts that will serve the welfare of mankind everywhere, unquote. Interestingly, at least 18 of those in leadership, professors, presidents, directors, etc., at Columbian University belong to the Council on Foreign Relations. As previously mentioned, Union Theological Seminary has always been funded by Rockefeller. 
UTS is a school that is supposed to train clergy, yet a Union theological student was able to join the on-campus atheist club if he chose. How many church pulpits were filled by students who belonged to this club? Union Theological Seminary is so liberal that it is known as the Red Cemetery. Of not cemetery, it should be cemetery, I'm sorry, seminary. <clears throat> of course, there is a reason for that label. Over 500 faculty members, students, and graduates of the seminary have had affiliations with communist enterprises. Tex Mars adds that this seminary has long been a safe harbor and breeding ground for Marxist activities or activists and supposed Christian professors who teach that all paths and all religions are the same and that Christianity is not unique. The seminary was part of an investigation for communist infiltration. In 1919, the New York State Joint Legislative Committee to investigate seditious activities was set up. The report of the infiltration of subversive forces was published on April 24, 1920, and said this, quote, are two dangerous centers of revolutionary socialist teaching of a university type in ecclesiastical institutions. One is the Union Theological Seminary of New York, where Christian ethics are taught by Dr. Harry F. Ward, and the other is St. Stephen's College at Addendale, New York, where the president is the Reverend Idols Bell and the professor of economics, the socialist, Dr. Edwards. Rhodes scholar Basil Blackwell, Blackwell wrote, as one as of 1955, there were 17 colleges and universities in which their presidents were Rhodes Scholars, which included Union Theological Seminary, Atlantic Christian College, Oberlin College, Columbia Theological Seminary, Purdue, University of Maryland, and Swarthmore, to name a few, unquote. Henry Sloan Coffin. Henry Sloan Coffin, a skull and cross uh, not crossbones, a skull and bones member, initiated in 1897, was professor of practical theology at Union from 1904 to 1926, and president of Union Theological Seminary from 1926 to 1945. Often was the former moderator of the Presbyterian Church in the United States. In 1923, the General Assembly of the Church Presbyterian, see, the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church USA, reaffirmed five essential doctrines. One of these doctrines was that it is an essential doctrine of the Word of God and our standards that Christ offered up himself a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and to be reconciled uh, and to reconcile us to God, unquote. 
Quote again, immediately 1,292 preachers attacked these doctrines, saying they were not essential at standards of ordination. They called them theories. Document in which they attacked these doctrines has been known historically as the famous Auburn Affirmation because it was drawn up in Auburn, New York. One of the leading promoters of this Bible attacking Christ-denying doctrine is none other than Dr. Henry Sloan Coffin, unquote. He wrote in Meaning of the Cross, quote, certain hymns still perpetuate the theory that God pardons sinners because Christ purchased that pardon by his obedience and suffering. There is no cleansing blood which can wipe out the record of what has been. The cross of Christ is not a means of procuring forgiveness. Wow. Unquote. That's totally like, I mean, he's like saying the gospel's not true. That's exactly what he's saying. That is messed up. Coffin was a leader in the National Council of Churches and belonged to at least 10 Communist Front organizations. This is the man who, along with John Foster Dulles, helped found the pro-communist World Council of Churches. His son, Henry Sloan Coffin Jr., was also a member of the Skull and Bones, and he, quote, was one of the Boston Five indicted on federal conspiracy charges, unquote. He eventually took over the Riverside Church, which is Rockefeller's church. Often was a former Yale chaplain and was only the fourth senior minister at Riverside. Quote, since John D. Rockefeller Jr. built and endowed the church 60 years ago, Coffin, renowned as a promoter of liberal causes and the model for Gary Trudeau's comic strip preacher in Doonesbury, had led the church into deep financial trouble before he resigned. According to published reports, over the last 15 years, Coffin spent more than half the original endowment on liberal causes. Since he left in 1987, church's deficit of $1.4 million has been brought under control, church leaders say, unquote. <clears throat> Quote again, after divorcing his first wife, left-wing peacemaker Coffin became involved in a bitter divorce with his second wife when he delivered her a karate chop. Hospital doctors found a hairline fracture Sloan's wife, in the divorce case, charged that the great left-wing peace demonstrator was anything but peaceful in his own home, unquote. Minister who succeeded Coffin at, at Rockefeller's ultra-liberal Riverside Church was James Forbes, Jr. He, too, had been a professor at Union Theological Seminary. Forbes was one of the speakers for the Summit on Ethics and Meaning, held in April 1996. The ad for this summit stated, the politics of meaning is a strategy to counter the right. Other speakers included an assortment of New Agers, lesbians, abortion promoters, leftists, etc., such as Matthew Fox, Paul Hawken, Larry Dosey, Bernie Tegall, Marianne Williamson, Naomi Wolf, Roberta Ackettberg, 
Jesse Jackson, Jr., um, Yuravashi Vad, Joan Chittister, Ben Cohen, and Tony Campolo. Additionally, Forbes signed the Cry for Renewal statement in 1996. He is also a contributing editor to the liberal leftist magazine, Sojourners. Henry, not Henry, Harry F. Ward. Another one of the teachers at Union Theological Seminary was Harry F. Ward. He also taught Christian ethics at the Theological Seminary in Boston. The interesting thing is that Ward was identified under oath as a member of the Communist Party. Manning Johnson, an ex-communist, said, I would say that he is the Red Dean of the Communist Party in the religious field. Johnson referred to Dr. Ward as, quote, chief architect for communist infiltration and subversion in the religious field, unquote. Benjamin <clears throat> Gitlow, a former communist vice presidential candidate, testified that the Comintern leaders were of the opinion that the clergymen, with Dr. Ward's point of view, using the cloak of religion, could render service of in estimable value to the communist cause in China and to Soviet interest. Hmm. Ward, quote, was a crony of Eugene Debs, founder of the U.S. Socialist Party, and William Z. Foster, former head of the U.S. Communist Party. Ward traveled to Russia in 1924 and 1931, where he studied Marx and Lenin. Teaming up with William Z. Foster in a radio broadcast in February 1946, he declared that Russia's slave labor camps were in reality nothing more than rehabilitation programs, unquote. Leonard Patterson confirmed that Dr. Ward not only a communist with whom he had personally worked, but a very important member of the Communist Party, unquote. Quote again, at the Ninth National Convention of the Communist Party, Earl Browder, former head of the Communist Party, poured extravagant calculates on the head of Dr. Ward, saying that he would always receive the unstinted recognition and support of the Communist Party, unquote. Ward was one of the founders of the American Civil Liberty, <laughs> Liberties Union, the ACLU, and he served as the chairman of this group from 1920 to 1940. Other co-founders of the ACLU were Felix Frankfurter, a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, CFR, and the Intercollegiate Socialist Society, Roger Baldwin, a humanist, a nudist, Fabian and frontman for the Communist Party, Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, 
a top Communist Party official who was associated with the Daily Worker, a communist newspaper. Scott Nearing, a communist and member of the Socialist Party. Norman Thomas, Socialist Party chairman. Morris L. Ernst, also on the National Executive Board of the National Lawyers Guild, cited as a communist front, which is the foremost legal bulwark of the Communist Party, its front organizations and controlled unions, and which since its inception has never failed to rally to the legal defense of the Communist Party and individual members thereof, including the espionage agents. William Z. Foster, then head of the U.S. Communist Party. God Will Be Banished in Foster's 1932 book, Towards Soviet America, he wrote, quote, Among the elementary measures the American Soviet government will adopt to further the cultural revolution are the following. The schools, colleges, and universities will be coordinated and grouped around the National Department of Education and its states and local branches. The studies will be revolutionized, being cleansed of religious, patriotic, and other features of the Bogorius ideology. The students will be taught on the basis of Marxian, dialectical, materialism, internationalism, and the general ethics of the new socialist society. The churches will remain free to continue their services, but special tax and other privileges will be liquidated. Buildings will revert to the state. Religious schools will be abolished and organized religious freedom for minors prohibited. Freedom will be established for anti-religious propaganda. God will be banished from the laboratories as well as from the schools. Unquote. Isn't that happening now, brothers and sisters? Hmm. Foster, along with some others, developed a strategy that came to be known as Boring from Within. The Boring from Within strategy, endorsed by Lenin, had a major impact on early communist trade policies, union policies. As most Christians know, the ACLU has consistently advanced an anti-Christian agenda and promoted a new world order. Quote, today, the ACLU supports legalization of child pornography, drugs, polygamy, polygamy, and prostitution, abortion on demand, busing, mandatory sex education, and tax exemption for Satanists. It opposes church tax exemption, homeschooling, parental consent laws, voluntary school prayer, prison terms for criminals, and public religious displays. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Ginsburg was a woman's rights attorney for the radical pro-abortion, pro-homosexual ACLU in the 1970s, unquote. Communism is the goal. The ACLU has served as legal defense for citizens who aid Fidel Castro, for, black, for flag burners, and for the communist Boys clubs. And the ACLU attorney, humanist William Kunstler, 
was cited in 1970 by the House Internal Security Committee as communist-oriented. Of course, it's no wonder since one of ACLU's founders, Roger Baldwin, had declared in 1935, quote, I am for socialism, disarmament, and ultimately for abolishing the state itself as an instrument of violence and compulsion. I seek the social ownership of property, the abolition of the proprietor class, the proprietary class and social control of those who produce wealth. Communism is the goal. Unquote. Baldwin also wrote in defense of Joseph Stalin. Baldwin wrote a letter in August 1917 to Louis Lochner, who was head of the Bolshevik People's Council of America, in which he stated, quote, Do steer away from making it look like a socialist enterprise. Too many people have already gotten the idea that it is nine-tenths a socialist movement. You can, of course, avo avoid this by bringing to the front people like Senator Works, Miss Adams, and others who are known as substantial Democrats. We also want to look like patriots in everything we do. We want to get a lot of good flags, talk a good deal about the Constitution, and what our forefathers wanted to make of this country. Unquote. Oh, Biden, ring a bell there. <clears throat> Did you notice the deception that he was using? He wanted to make it appear on the surface as a patriotic constitutional movement, all while he was trying to destroy the Constitution. Quote, although Baldwin has been affiliated with at least 30 Five communist fronts and causes. He is perhaps best known for a statement made before the Fish Committee to the effect that the American Civil Liberties Union upholds the right of aliens or nationals to advocate murder, assassination, and overthrow of our government by force and violence. Unquote. Source just quoted mentioned. 35 communist fronts and causes that Baldwin belonged to. Harry Ward, his co-founder, belonged to approximately 269 communist or front organizations, unquote. Communist Front was Rockefeller. Ended. Baldwin was also active in the intercollegiate Socialist Society at Harvard. The inter Allegate Socialist Society later changed its name to the League for International Democracy, which was a leading, leading Fabian socialist group. In addition to the names just mentioned, other communists were on the original National Committee of the American Civil Liberties Union. In fact, since the 1920s, 80% of its National Committee members had communist connections. Quote, the American Civil Liberties Union is closely affiliated with the communist movement in the United States, and fully 90% of its efforts are on behalf of communists who come into difficulty with the law. The California Senate Fact-Fighting Committee supported this estimate of 90% and said the American Civil Liberties Union may be definitely classed as a communist front or transmission belt organization, unquote. Returning to Harry F. Ward, we find that in 1907, he founded the Methodist Federation for Socialist 
for Social Service, later changed to the Methodist Federation for Social Action, which was an officially cited Communist Front group, and was its general secretary from 1911 to 1944. The Methodist Federation for Social Services is listed as subversive in the United States government's booklet, Quote, guide for subversive organizations and publications. Money for this communist front organization came from John D. Rockefeller. Quote, Ward's job was to teach bright young men to become so-called ministers of Christ and to place them as pastors of churches. While teaching them to become ministers, the Reverend Ward also taught them how to subtly and craftily preach to their congregation that the entire story of Christ was a myth, to cast doubts on the divinity of Christ, to cast doubts about the Virgin Mary, in short, to cast doubt on Christianity as a whole. It was not to be a direct attack, but much of it to be done by crafty insinuation that was to be applied, in particular, to the youth in Sunday school. Unquote. Then, in 1908, the Federal Council of Churches, FCC, was founded and its social greed was written by Ward. According to one source, quote, Dr. Reed visited Stalin in Moscow in 1920, and they worked together to form the basis of the social gospel, now openly proclaimed by the NCC, National Council of Churches. This gospel was to increase emphasis on the materialistic side and decrease emphasis on theology so that in due time, Marxism and the social gospel may become one and the same, unquote. Ward claimed that the social program and the social hopes of the prophets were filled in Jesus. He adds, quote, Jesus was not a mere social reformer. He has been called the first socialist, unquote. Ward also states, quote, the next step in the social expression of religion was the work of that group, some of whom called themselves Christian socialists, who proved once again that the wider social outlook is more invariably the condition for the prophetic gift. The men of our own age who have had something of the prophet's vision and power of language and inspiration have nearly all had this social enthusiasm and faith in the constructive power of Christianity. Morris and Kingsley, Ruskin and Carlyle, Laminus and Mazzini and Tolstoy, were in their measure true seers of God, and they made others see, unquote. Gaspi Mazzani, 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 yeah, Mazzani. Can you imagine Ward calling individuals like Frederick Morris, Charles Kingsley, Gaspi Mazzini, and John Ruskin Christians? For those who do not know who these people are, I'll briefly fill you in. Morris and Kingsley started the Christian Socialist Movement. Manzini was the founder of the Young Italy Party, who was a Mason, Illuminist, and belongs to the Carbonari, which was a secret society that influenced the Illuminati. Manzani, quote, was associated with Karl Marx and Masonic leader Albert Pike, the latter of whom delivered a lecture to the Grand Lodge of Louisiana in 1858, titled The Meaning of Masonry, in which he stated, 
quote, there is no independent and self-existent evil principle in rebellion against God. Evil is merely apparent and all is in reality good and perfect, unquote. Manzini with Pike developed a plan for three world wars so that eventually every nation would be willing to surrender its national sovereignty to a world government. The first war was to end the Tsar's regimen in Russia, and the second war was to allow the Soviet Union to control Europe. The third war was to be in the Middle East between Muslims and Jews and would result in Armageddon. Unquote. Helena Pravana Blotsky, a medium, mystic, occultist, and Satanist, was initiated in the, in the Karabinari by Mazzini. Albert Pike drew up rituals for the Luciferian organization called uh, Palladium Rite, which openly worshipped Lucifer. This was done at the insistence of Manzini. When Pike sent him a copy of his Luciferian rituals, Manzini was full of enthusiasm praise for his colleague's work. Quote, in 1860, Manzini had formed an organization called uh, Ablanakaya, no, let's see, Ab. Lanaka, a name derived from the Latin abilis, which means I beckon with a spit dagger. Within this group, he established an inner circle called Ma Mafia. Although most people know what the Mafia is, few people realize it was founded by a Sicilian Masonic terrorist organization. The name Mafia emerged from 1860 and is an acronym for Mazzini, Autorizzi, Fer Fertility, Ferti, in Sidi, I can't say all those words. I'm so sorry. Anyway, Mazzini authorized thefts, arson, and poisoning. Hmm. No wonder Mazzini was known as the evil genius of Italy. Yet Ward refers to him as a Christian. Don Ruskin. John Ruskin was another person that Ward referred to as. Christian. Rushkin was a socialist, racist, and ardent nature worshiper. Russian said, I am myself a communist of the old school, reddest of the red. He called pagan faith admirable in itself, and he also belonged to the Society for a Physical is that physical Research, an occult organization. He was influenced by the writings of occultist Madame Volotsky. His grave has a swastika on it. Ruskin's idea had their origin in the occult beliefs of Plato and Karl Marx. He read Plato every day. Plato's Republic, a Republic of Philosophers, and believed in government by the elite who would control means of production and distribution. Plato's Republic outlined his ideal society. It included the elimination of marriage, and the family and introduced selective breeding by the government who would destroy all inferior offspring. In Plato's Utopia, sexual equality dictated that women would fight alongside the men in time of war. Unquote. Ruskin gave a lecture that inspired Cecil John Rhodes, Rhodes, a homosexual and a mason, whose library was filled with erotic materials, espoused the view of world government and established the Rhodes Scholarship with this end in mind. He had received some financial help from Rothschild. Men like Ruskin and Mazzini are the kind of individuals that Harry F. Ward thinks are 
true seers of God. Remember, Ward is the man who wrote the social creed for the Federal Council of Churches. No wonder in 1927, quote, Congressman Arthur M. Free described the group, Federal Council of Churches, as a communist, communist organization aimed at the establishment of a state church. From 1926 to 29, John D. Rockefeller contributed over $137,000 to them and donated the triangle-shaped building that houses the National Council of Churches. In 1935, they were identified by the Office of Naval Intelligence as being one of the several organizations which gave aid and comfort to the communist movement and party. Labor that year, Admiral William H. Stanley, Chief of Naval Operations, publicly accused the Federal Council of Churches of collaborating with the Communists. In 1942, their platform called for a world government, international control of all armies and navies, a universal system of money, and a democratically controlled international bank, unquote. Ward also was a co-founder of the American League Against War and Fascism, which under Earl Powder became the Communist Party of the United States. Additionally, Ward, quote, wrote more than 15 books, many of them hammering the Soviet and domestic communist line. In 1924, he went to the Soviet Union and spent 1925 and spent 1925 touring China with a series of pro-Soviet speeches. And he spent 1931 in Russia and came home to write his book, In Place of Profit. In the 30s, he was the founder and leader in the People's Institute of Applied Religion, cited by the Attorney General as a communist front and subversion organization. Unquote. No wonder that in November 24, 1931, Ryan Hall Lieber would write to his girlfriend and say, quote, had a letter from Harry Union Ward today. He is a complete communist by now. I just wonder what he will be like when he comes back. This comment came from a man who was a socialist himself. All right, brothers and sisters, I'm going to end that there. This is a lot of information to take in, but wow. These are people that Billy Graham and, and also not only the people, but the institutes and all of this that Billy Graham associated himself with or people that knew these people and called these people Christian. You got to understand something. And I, and I really, I can't stress this enough. This book was written years before Billy Graham passed away. He had every opportunity to refute this. He had every opportunity to prove himself, but he did not. And one of his humongous downfalls was the fact that when he wrote autobiographies, he put himself in the position to show what his heart was truly made out of. And also through interviews, Larry King and all of these other things and the Christian magazine that he owned and all of this stuff, his own words, 
his own words expose his heart because remember the word of God tells us for out of the heart the mouth speaks and we are to judge a tree by the fruit that it bears and a bad tree or a tree let's say a lemon tree is not going to bear beautiful apples it's not going to happen not going to happen you know you cannot draw sweet water and bitter water from the same fountain not going to happen i just pray with all of my heart that the scales will fall from people's eyes and that they will see the truth but the thing is if we don't love the truth brothers and sisters we are going to believe a lie we are that's just that's the word of god god himself is going to send the strong delusion you've got to love the truth you have got to love the truth do you want the truth and see that's the thing even though the truth does hurt and like i said earlier from the very beginning i did quit reading for you know several days on this because it was so much to take in to process and i had to but you know i have to also today to begin to read it again i said holy spirit which one am i to read first you tell me what what this one is very very important because it's the evangelicals that are so deceived by this man's doctrine oh you need to see it just take this before the lord in prayer seek his face ask for wisdom ask for discernment because he will not he will not hold any good thing from you if you ask in faith and you truly want to know. I love you all so very much. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Your nose in the book, which is the word of God. And embed the word of God upon the tablets of your hearts. So you will not sin against God. And you won't be deceived. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye-bye.